to Armor on the Air. Uh, we are out here trying our very hardest to record a podcast over Zoom. Um, we have been at this for 36 minutes trying to get all of this organized, and I hope everything comes through clearly to, to your curious ears. Um, my name is Dana. I'm a graduate student at the University of Colorado Boulder, and I am a member of a student organization called Armor. I have with me today Caroline, who is... Hello! A Danish pharmacist. I am a Danish pharmacist, and I'm also a member of Armor. Uh, conveniently here, um, hanging out with us at Armor and helping us advise and inform our decisions. So Armor stands for uh, Antimicrobial Resistance Mediation Outreach. Uh, it's a very long, complicated acronym to basically say that we would really appreciate it if antibiotics would continue working. <laughs> I think that would be nice for all of us. I would appreciate that. Caroline, tell us about antimicrobial resistance. What the heck is it? <laughs> well, uh, antimicrobial resistance is um, basically when a antibiotic that used to work on a certain organism uh, doesn't work anymore because this certain organism has developed some kind of resistance to that type of antibiotic. Um, it's a bit of a messy term because some antibiotics are um, naturally resistant to some antibiotics. Um, uh, for example, gram-negative um, um, bacteria don't have the target that a lot of uh, penicillin works on, or it's very um, small, so they don't work on that. But in general, it is, it is when a, anti a bacteria um, develops a new type of resistance to a antibiotic that used to work on it. So that resistance can look a lot of different ways. <clears throat> the bacteria will basically do whatever it needs to do to, to make sure that it doesn't have to put up with this, with this antibiotic. So sometimes it'll actually create pumps that flush the antibiotic back out of it. Other times it'll start producing molecules that interfere with the antibiotic and sort of deactivate it. But whatever form... It can form... also just... Um, sorry. No, go for it. It can also just... Uh, it can also just... Uh... It can also mutate or whatever the target that the antibiotic used to work ahead. Um, so yeah, that's also something. And then when one bacteria mutates, it can share that mutation with other bacteria, which is a terrifying topic <laughs> for another day. <laughs> but super smart. Just imagine it. Just imagine if like, okay, like if humans did that, like if someone, okay, this is smart. You can, uh, you can, you're able to uh, consume milk. Um, you can break down lactose. <laughs> And you can't. Well, here's a present. <laughs> now you can't. That would be so smart. Just like that sharing be, is caring. But essentially, like, Wikipedia is even, like, a way to share knowledge. Yeah, we right? do it. Which, which yeah. in a sense, like, we're as smart as bacteria. We can, we can, <laughs> <laughs> we can, we can do this, can do too. This. Kind of. <laughs> so, I really want to clear up a point that antimicrobial resistance is about antibiotics and antimicrobial molecules not working on bacteria that are in your body. It is not you who can become too resistant to antibiotics. We are already resistant to antibiotics. That's why we're not getting sick when we take <laughs> That's why we use them. <laughs> exactly. Like, the reason why antibiotics are so useful is because they're able to tell the difference between our cells, our human cells, and bacterial cells. And so that's why the whole antibiotic revolution was just such a game changer. Because all of a sudden, 
we don't have to treat infections with mercury anymore and just hope that we, like, out-survive the bacteria. <laughs> just imagine, like, well, I mean, in a way, we still do it with some kind of diseases, like chemotherapy for cancer. Um, that still is extremely poisonous for people. But just imagine if, like, if, like, you got a bad, like, um like lung infection with a bacteria <laughs> and it was just like well you can get this it might work it might kill you you can <laughs> snort arsenic or you can wait <laughs> it out we could make you throw uh, up and put some leeches on you and we'll just cross our fingers how about that right yeah <laughs> but essentially yeah. essentially like the reason why antibiotics are so important and why antibiotic resistance is so scary is because without them we return to the world of leeching and induced vomiting and mercury <laughs> treatments. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that is a very scary um, dystopian future. Indeed. And it's like, it's it's possible. <laughs> this could actually happen. And if you read what the World Health Organization, like every few years, they do this big, bro- like not, it's a book, essentially. Like it's a published <laughs> book document. It's a report, but, it's like, but like it's, it's a book. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it is a summary of all of the antibacterial resistance nonsense that is going on on a global scale. And in this document, if you read the one from 2019, which I recommend it, it's prime reading material. One of the things they say is, like, stop talking about a post-antibiotic era as if it's not here yet. It's already here. And these are, like, our global health officials telling us, like, this is not some far-fetched thing. This is the biggest global crisis that no one is talking about. It's so scary. But that is why we do what we do. Exactly. But, Caroline, why the heck are we here talking about antibacterial resistance and we know antibiotics don't work on viruses when we're in the middle of a viral pandemic. That is actually a good question when you think about it, because there is the misconception for a lot of, for some people that uh, like this is something different. We can use antibiotics, but it's not really different. It's just a virus. Viruses happens all the time too, but antibiotics never works against viruses. That's very important. But we're talking about this because if you get a um, if you get a viral lung infection or like any infection really afterwards your body is uh, immunocompromised it's weak it just fought off one disease so you will have a higher risk of getting a very se- very severe bacterial infections afterwards or while you have the virus so um currently some numbers has come out that um, a lot of people how many watches that was more than had 50% a- yeah, of the people who dies from or dies with coronavirus um, has a secondary um, bacterial infection. And that's terrifying too. So like antibiotics is just as relevant as ever, if not more right now, because what we essentially want is people not dying from anything really. But like at the moment, coronavirus is what we don't want people dying from. Um, and the thing is, that a big part of them dying could be this or is probably related to the secondary uh, bacterial infection that these uh, immunocompromised people get. So that's why we're here. (laughs) Exactly. And so in the situations (laughs) where people do get secondary bacterial infections, we are forced to use antibiotics because antibiotics should be the last resort treatment when someone's own body is not able to handle a bacterial infection. 
So we give them antibiotics to try to give them the upper hand and help them sort of, you know, push back against the bacteria enough that their immune system can sort of regain a foothold uh, and actually, actually kill the bacteria and then the person doesn't die. But realize that the more people we have in hospital, the more what are called nosocomial infections are acquired. And nosocomial doesn't have anything to do with noses. Um, it actually just means... <laughs> It's it, funny it's when just... you hear a word so many times that in the end it started of like it's not fu- as funny as it was in the beginning, but then all of a sudden you're reminded how funny it was the first time you heard it. It's a weird word. <laughs> it is a weird word. It's a weird, it is word. a weird word. So the more people we have in hospital for coronavirus situations, um, the more nosocomial infections we see, infections from hospitals. And these infections are kind of stronger than what you see in like the suburban day to day because they're always being exposed to antibiotics. They're always being exposed to like the toughest treatments and they're coming from people who get the worst infections and have to go to hospital uh, to get those infections treated. So the hospital, while you imagine it to be like this very sterile, clean environment is actually covered in some of the most dangerous bacteria that you've ever seen in your life. (laughs) So the more people we have in hospital for things that are not bacterial infections, that still increases the chance of them catching them and then makes it harder for us to treat them. And then we have to give more antibiotics and then we just keep perpetuating the issue of antibiotic resistance. So fundamentally, the reason why COVID-19, not the only reason, but a main reason why it is so dangerous is because you need people in hospital for very long durations. And generally it's people who are immunocompromised to begin with, you know, the very old, the very sick, people who are already susceptible to those bacterial infections. So that's why we're here. That's why we're here talking about COVID-19, despite the fact that we're not a viral uh, focused organization, although, global health is so intertwined that it's always going to come up so and like the things that we preach also um applies for virus infections a lot of them um like the prevention part exactly and that's that's ultimately what we're getting at like we would love to not have to use uh antibiotics or hospitals as often as we do that would be great that would be great all around (laughs) all around all around also just imagine if like the hospital's had more time to just focus on like because they are I mean of course it seems a little bit weird to like to pull together all the very sick people and with like infectious disease but we have to like remember that it's also a like a center of knowledge a hospital it's where all of like all of the like smartest doctors and nurses and like microbiologists are and people gotta have somewhere to go for a broken leg Exactly. <laughs> Which now every time my new my new like quarantine game is that every time I hear a siren outside, I'm like, is that a corona siren or a car accident siren? <laughs> what happened? Why are these beds being occupied? Oh yeah. It's a scary time we live in. And interesting. Interesting indeed. You all can't see Caroline right now, but she's like, you know, pe- pensively staring out the window as she brings up these topics. <laughs> just, just such a mood. <laughs> I haven't seen people for two months, okay? <laughs> She's befriending the squirrels. <laughs> I'm going crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We saw, we saw deer too the other day. But anyway. Yeah, oh well. Side, Side topic. topic. Yes. Let's talk about why antibiotics don't work on viruses. Because I think the difference between virus and bacteria is important. And I feel like a lot of people generally know that antibiotics don't work on viruses, but they don't really know why. 
Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to get into that a little bit. So the key difference between a virus and a bacteria is the fact that a virus cannot replicate on its own. So it doesn't have any of the machinery necessary to actually replicate its genome and then produce more of itself. And in this big quest for life that we're all trying to figure out on this tiny blue planet, um, one of the key things is, is reproducing and, and continuing your, your genetic thing. Um, viruses, viruses just, they're so evil. Like, that's just, like, I mean, just imagine you're not really alive, but when you do like live stuff, you infect other people or like other organisms and just destroy them. That's what I was going to bring up. The fun fact, the fun fact about viruses that I like is that it's a huge area of debate in the biological community about whether or not they're living or not, because biologists just came up with these, like, arbitrary five rules for what something needs in order to, like, be considered living. And there's, like, there's, very... one, there's replications. There is... Replication. A, and then there's the one with breathing. Homeostasis. Hmm. But there, there are things like that. And, and the funny part of this is, like, you could call me, like, a cosmic SJW because they're very Earth-centric rules for life. Yeah. And I argue that life on other planets is not going to fulfill those rules. And even, like, gas giants on Jupiter could be living. And just because they don't fulfill our rules for what's alive doesn't mean that they're not living in some sense. That's um, deep. And maybe their life has different purpose. Maybe their life is not about reproduction. Maybe their life is about coloring Jupiter and making it look great. But anyway, philosophical argument aside, viruses are aliens. They're super cool. They're... <laughs> and fundamentally, they need... A host to replicate and so it needs a host that can replicate on its own so our cells are able to do that bacterial cells are able to do that so there's special viruses that only infect bacteria COVID-19 is a special virus that infects us <laughs> woohoo <laughs> we- <laughs> yay and maybe bats and tigers oh and tigers oh poor things yeah I saw can you imagine it. a tiger with a little face mask <laughs> just, that would be so cute just, just like leave me alone <laughs> <laughs> So the reason why uh, antibiotics don't work on viruses then is because antibiotics will generally interfere with the living organism. So these aspects of life that viruses don't have. In a lot of cases, antibiotics interfere with the replication machinery of cells, um, of bacteria. Other times they'll like pop holes in a cell membrane, which viruses don't have. They're little like protein shells. So all of these things together means antibiotics don't work on viruses. So there is no point. Not only is there no point to take antibiotics when you have a viral infection, it's actually dangerous for your microbiome. <laughs> and it now, is, because bacteria isn't just mean. Exactly. A lot to get inside of you and help you. Mm-hmm, indeed. So your microbiome. Actually, Caroline, summarize the microbiome for us. Oh, God. Okay. So um, you may not know this. But uh, there's actually more. <laughs> there's actually more bacterial cells in your body than there are human cells, um, and these bacteria make up our entire, entire gut flora, um, and they help us um, uh, break down food and like. Uh, it's like an entire ecosystem. Fight off some diseases too, actually. Yeah, actually, because the bacteria, the quote unquote good bacteria in your stomach, um, and your gut and your intestines actually take up space and resources that prevent pathogenic bacteria, like the bad bacteria, quote unquote, 
from taking up that space and sort of invading and colonizing your body and making you sick. So it's really, really important to keep this ecosystem of yours, your microbiome, as healthy as possible. And when you take antibiotics, they're going to kill every single bacteria in your body that they work on, and that includes the bacteria in your gut. And so sometimes people will take antibiotics and then they'll get a quote-unquote bad bacteria and then they'll just have diarrhea for like six months and sometimes die. <laughs> exactly. Or get like uh, sepsis kind of or something. Like, yeah, or like, uh, what do you call it? Like a fungi infection? Yeah, yeah. And stuff like all that. All sorts yeah. of things it's... can go awry. So all this to say that it's actually kind of risky to take antibiotics. Like as much as we see them as like a miracle treatment, they really should only be used if your body's not able to fight something off. And Exactly. And in way most cases your body is able to fight off infections by themselves. They've done so for like millennials. Um, that's why we're still alive. Exactly. Um, yeah. So. Also another, symptoms. like another, oh, sorry. I just wanted to like kind of give another, what do you call it? Like in a picture, but like describe why um, antibiotics don't work on viruses too. Like imagine you have a key and you have a keyhole. And this desk key, the key is antibiotic and the keyhole is the bacteria. It fits. Um, but just imagine taking a key and try to put it through like the eye of a needle. It oh. just, there's like, it, there's no way. <laughs> it, it won't fit. It won't do anything at all. That's a good analogy. Like they can both exist side by side, but neither is going to like interact with the other in a productive way. That's a mm -hmm. good analogy, Caroline. Yeah. Also just, I mean, the size difference is even greater, but like, I mean, you get the point. That size difference is nuts. Viruses yeah. are so tiny. Yeah. <laughs> so small and they're just capable of such destruction. <laughs> As we can see now, economically, socially. <laughs> it's insane. Yeah. It's a lot. It is. I wanted to talk about the symptoms of what it is to be sick because a lot of times people experience the fever and the fatigue and the aches and pains and like the general like the of, of being sick. Um, <laughs> That's such a good description. It's just like, uh. When my mom gets sick, I ask her how she's feeling and she always says, I feel like a butt. And I, that cracks me up so much. It's not wrong. Right, yeah, you just feel crappy. And there's, we don't know exactly like, we. I say we, the scientific community um, does not, you know, TM, does not know why exactly your body wants to make you feel crappy but the idea is that the idea of the hypothesis is that your body is trying to force you to conserve your energy um and to not waste any energy on moving because it's using all of its resources to fight an infection um and the fever theoretically is supposed to like denature the proteins in the viruses or the bacteria basically make them uncomfortable inhabiting a temperature slightly above body temperature. So all this to say that viruses and bacteria have pretty much no interest in making you feel crappy. They wouldn't want their host to die because then they die, they lose their form of life. So they rely on you to live but your body recognizes that something is wrong so a lot of the symptoms of being sick are actually a result of your body trying to get rid of the thing that is making you sick. Um, and that's why a lot of a lot of illnesses have what are called nonspecific symptoms, which means their symptoms are like, you're sick, could be anything. Let's do some tests. <laughs> and so this this adds another another layer of complexity to treating 
diseases in a hospital. If you are if you are so sick with an infection that you have to go to the hospital, we're not going to sit around and wait to figure out what bacteria exactly you have. So doctors will use what are called broad spectrum antibiotics, which are antibiotics that kill everything. Um, but they don't kill everything. There's things that, that are resistant to them. And if you don't use the specific antibiotic or you use several antibiotics at once, then you start fueling these superbugs that are resistant to everything. And they're so terrifying. If you catch one of those and your immune system can't handle it, you just die. Like, there's no backup plan. And that's why we see an insane number of, of deaths and, and resistant infections every year. Still. Still. And when I... Um, bacteria is resistant to every known antibiotic. It's called pan-resistant. And that is exactly terrifying. Um, yeah. That's a good science word. It is. Pan-resistant bacteria, yeah. It will also say multi-drug resistant bacteria, if it's yeah. not everything, but it's most things. Yeah. And the other thing is we haven't seen any new antibiotics in a really long time. And it's not, we could get into this. This is a topic for another episode, but like. Yeah, the let's whole, talk about that another the thing. The whole, there. like, there's a whole <laughs> thing where pharmaceutical companies don't want to invest that much into antibiotics because there's not huge financial return for them and they have to invest a lot so there have not been new antibiotics in a really, really long time. And the ones that are super strong end up making you really sick too and making you prone to a lot of like gut infections when pathogenic bacteria colonize them. Ultimately, it's a bad scene. It's not fun. You don't want to catch this kind of infection. You also don't want to fuel the development of these kinds of infections. It's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. A whole thing. But um, that's why we're talking about it. Exactly. So just like the whole environmental reform movement uh, where there's this global issue going on, but little things that you do in your daily life can affect it and change it and make it start changing direction for the better. Um, things like turning the lights off when you leave a room or not using uh, water, not keeping the water running while you're brushing your teeth. All of these things are very small differences, but they count. <laughs> and they also contribute to a culture of awareness that I think is really important. And much in the same way, we can do that for stopping the development of antimicrobial resistance. So Caroline, what are some of the things that people can do in their daily lives that can help mitigate the development of superbugs? Well, the best thing for everyone if, if, if would be if we could just prevent people from getting sick in the first place. So there's a lot of preventative steps we can take. You can, again, I know this is becoming repetitive and I know that everyone is hearing about this right now, but wash your hands. Wash your hands often and for a long time. Um, that can prevent a lot of it. Um, besides that, in the you same put... vein, don't go out when you're sick. Yeah. Like, this this is like a big thing, right? Because because I feel like the the mindset, like especially this very Western mindset that people are so like independent and individual and they themselves want to get better or they feel well enough to go to their job. But health is a shared resource. If one person poisons it by coming in like being sick, then they're causing potentially a massive amount of damage to other people. And so that's why, like, vaccines are a big thing. Like, the vaccine's not for you, my dude. You probably wouldn't get that sick. Like, 
the vaccine is to protect the person next to you on the bus who might be going through chemotherapy and have a really weak immune system that can't handle a vaccine. So they rely on the people who can be well enough um, to, to not spread that disease. And so that's part of why this is important. If you have a bacterial infection, don't just take antibiotics willy-nilly, you know? Take care of yourself. Don't spread that disease. Stay home. I hope masks become a normalized part of, of being ill after coronavirus. Like, be, I hope... because That would be great. Right? Because like, there's so... Think about the new accessory. <laughs> yeah, it is a new accessory, <laughs> isn't it? But in yeah. general, like, it would be so great to not... To not have to worry about some sort of, like, social stigma about going out with a mask on when you're really just trying to do your part for, for, for your community, for your, for your community's health. Yeah, it's very normal in Asia. Exactly. And it's very much... Exactly. It's a politeness thing. <laughs> It because... would be rude to, like, give someone a disease. Like, how dare you? <laughs> like, I hate getting sick and not knowing where I'm sick from. <laughs> Biggest pet peeve. <laughs> where there's, like, and there's, like, a season during, like, the academic school year where you have to, like, sit next to, like, nine different people throughout the day who are, like, coughing and sneezing in your general direction. And then you get sick three days later and you're like, I don't even know which one of you to blame. All of you are being, all of you are being jerks. <laughs> I'm mad at all of you now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is, yeah. Other things you can do, speaking about washing your hands, uh, something that is normal here, but um, surprised me a lot when I came to this country, that uh, antimicrobial soap is a thing here. That is something you can buy here. That is something you could just, like, and not even in a pharmacy or anything, just like in a normal store. Anyways, There's antibiotics that... in so many things. Because, like, not only is there, like, crazy. antimicrobial soap. Did you know that there's antibiotics in your toothpaste? No, stop. There are some toothpastes. There's some brands. We'll do the name calling in another episode, but there are some brands of toothpaste that put antibiotics in them. Neosporin, the miracle cream, has three different antibiotics in it. I am shookened. It's nuts. And bacteria isn't, there's like, there's like a lot of things to, to criticize here. First of all, I mean, no, but like, first of all, bacteria isn't just bad. Like, it's not just bad, like, we wouldn't have cheese without bacteria. Can we like just take a minute and think about that? Everybody pause for the Danish woman to appreciate cheese. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, besides that, like just imagine you're having like, okay, let's talk about antimicrobial soap again. You have soap, you wash your hands, you rinse your hands, you dry your hands and you go on with your day. Like the anti Bacteria has to be exposed to the antimicrobial before they work. For just more like than singing happy birthday twice. Exactly. It's just, and then where does it go? Down the drain. What else goes down the drain? Bacteria. A lot of bacteria from different sources. And what is a great, where's a great place to like, I don't know, try to destroy bacteria and promote new resistances? The drain. Like there's been anti. Okay, now I don't have to say this, actually, because that just makes it seem like it's a good idea. But there has been found um, types of antibiotics in, like, in, in like sewers, <laughs> because, I mean, that's where there's a lot of... New York, New York has, like, a really massive concentration of resistant strains in their, in their sewer system. Because there's just, like, so many humans just, like, existing in such a small area. And, like, imagine, like, your whole skin everywhere on your skin is always covered in bacteria you are always covered in bacteria 
And that's fine, that's normal. In the same way, they occupy space so that bad bacteria, like, don't make you sick. And all of this bacteria is getting, like, scrubbed off of your skin and then flushed down the drain. And then it hangs out with antimicrobial soap. And then our water treatment systems can't purify antibiotics. And so then it comes back into our body and it affects our microbiome. It's a whole mess. Like, this whole cycle definitely needs to be demystified a lot more so that people can be aware and make and make these kinds of decisions. But now we're getting heated. Like, this is, this is the part of the conversation that we really want to harp on because this, these are the changes that you can make in your daily life to mitigate the spread and help us accomplish our mission of conquering antimicrobial resistance and hopefully buying our scientists just a little bit more time to try to find a solution that isn't so catastrophic. We all need to do our part. Speaking of doing your part, you can keep up with us. We hang out every Tuesday um, at 2.30 over Zoom right now because social distancing. So if you'd like to get in on that, you can drop us an email at armor at colorado.edu. You can also keep up with us on our website at colorado.edu forward slash student groups forward slash armor. And we also have a Twitter. We are CU underscore armor. And our lovely co-host Caroline is very active on Twitter and it's a lot of fun and she'll post a lot of hilarious things. Um, I try really hard. You do great. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I love it. And then sometimes there's, I don't, who, if you're listening to this, go on our Twitter and find the video that my brother's friend made of the 1% of bacteria that aren't killed by, by hand sanitizer. And it's just these two, like, buffoons just, like, dancing like madmen to this, like, insane club music. It's, yeah, it's hilarious. Um, so it's a lot of fun. Keep up with us on Twitter. Um, hang out with us on Tuesdays if you want to. And if you're not part of the Boulder community and you feel that your own community has uh, different needs and different challenges, we encourage you to start your own chapter of Armor. Make your own podcasts. Hang out with us. We will be guests on your show. It'll be lots of fun. We can emphasize the global nature of health by creating a global network of the youth who are trying to, to mitigate this disease. So with that, thanks for joining us. We are Armor and my name is Dana. And I'm Caroline. Thank you, Caroline. <laughs> have, <laughs> have a great week, y'all.